Meet our mom, Kelly Hutchison. She is a life coach. She is a child counselor. She is a teacher. She's a parent coach. And she's a mom to us. She will teach you to stop yelling at your kids. She will teach you to get your kids to lesson. She will teach you how to never sleep with mommy guilt again. She will teach you how to be an imperfect mom. So you can help your kids be imperfect too. And have harmony in the home. Hey everyone, welcome to episode 52, Painful Parenting. And I think we're all in the thick of it right now because we've been on lockdown now for a couple of months. What we thought was going to be a couple of weeks has turned into a couple of months. So if you're listening to this in real time, we are all in the thick of it. And if we're feeling stressed, imagine how our kids are feeling stressed. And a lot of us have outs for our stress, like some moms drink wine to unwind, some moms vent to a friend. Some people go on Facebook for support. Some people take extra naps to kind of numb out or maybe eat their feelings or shop their feelings or buffer away from their feelings. Maybe some of you smoke or vape. And I just want to remind you that stress is a difficult part of life, but it's a part of life. And so management of that makes us stronger. And I also want to remind everyone that our kids don't have those vices that we do. Even though they're unhealthy, they take away the pain for just a little bit and the pain comes back stronger. Our kids don't have any of that. Obviously, they're not drinking wine. Obviously, they're not on Facebook. Obviously, they're not able to shop or eat or vent to a friend. Sometimes your kids feel like the characters on Inside Out, which is one of my favorite movies of all time for children because it explains emotions on such a kid-like scale. And also, it helped me understand emotions so much better from their point of view. Because we all have all of those emotions inside of us at all time. And our kids don't know what to do with them. So the anger one with with the fire coming out of his head, we all have that in us. And so do our children. And the sad one who is always sad and walking around like boop, 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 and super mopey, We all have that inside of us. And so the more that we can normalize that for our kids and make them feel like this is part of the human experience, the less we push it away from them and the more normal they feel, so to speak. Because if we're always telling them, go to your room, stop crying, go to timeout, leave me alone, come back when you're happy. When we say that all over and over and over, then our kids start to associate those negative complex emotions that there's something wrong with them, that they shouldn't be feeling them. When in actuality, we have the same feelings that they do, they just feel it about different things. So if you've ever written a letter on your computer or a term paper and your computer shuts down in the middle of it and you lose all of your work, it's the same frustration that your kids feel The same frustration you feel when you're at a restaurant and you order something and they make it wrong or they bring out the wrong meal. It's a little irritating because everybody else has gotten their meal. That's the same thing your kids feel when you cook something that they don't like to eat 
And then we're saying, eat it, eat it, eat it. It's kind of like the manager coming over the table and going, I don't care if you're frustrated that I made this. You have to eat it anyway. So just normalizing the feelings for them makes the intensity softer. It's with less duration and with less frequency too. So in my book, that's a win-win. And one of the reasons why people love the parenting boot camp so much has nothing to do with me, but the fact that there's 300 or 400 moms, some dads in the group, and they're all saying the same thing. And so many moms email me and say, I feel less alone. I'm so glad I'm not the only one that's having a hard time. Because that's connective energy when you know that someone else is going through something that you're going through. When we were having our infertility issues, I went straight to Baby Center and I went on message forums boards. And I still have some of the greatest friends from those boards from the year 2002, 2003. We're still friends because I was having problems and no one in my community at the time had any problems. This is before Facebook. And so they were all supporting me and they didn't know what I was going through. And I didn't even know what I was going through. But then when I found a board of people who were also going through the same thing, I felt so comforted that I wasn't alone. I have a girlfriend who's very insecure about her big nose and she loves seeing people with big noses too. And I'm like, why do you like seeing other people with big noses too? And she said, it's one of my biggest insecurities and my biggest fears. And so when I see it in other people, I feel less alone. Now that's an example about a nose. When you can connect with your kids, when they're feeling frustrated, sad, angry, disappointed, the goal is, yes, to change the behavior, but the goal is never to change the emotion. The goal is to normalize the emotion and teach them what to do with it. Just like we teach them what to do when they get to a word they don't know, we teach them the same thing, to what to do with an emotion they don't know. So validate, 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 which breeds connection. And when you have connection, you have cooperation. Hopefully you said that with me. So one of the reasons why people love the parenting boot camp, like I was saying, is because they see other people struggling in the same area. And so many parents reach out to me and say, I feel like I can do this now because I have an army of support that I'm not alone. And there's nothing wrong with me. There's nothing abnormal. Parents report to me things like they're frustrated that their kids aren't listening, that they're talking back, that their kids are not listening and giving attitude. They can't control the emotions of their preteen. They say things like, I'm trying not to yell and I get so mad because of kids talking back and having meltdowns, so I yell. My patience level is zero. Me trying to explain the plan for the day and they're not listening, not caring, and not reacting. They maybe roll their eyes or they deep sigh. Getting my boys to follow through with directives and without me having to repeat myself a hundred times or yell. Do you not feel just comforted in knowing that you're not the only one feeling this way? I could read you another 200 statements like that. And you don't even know, need to know the age of the child because if it's a two-year-old or a 12-year-old, the issues are still the same. I'm trying to engage with my daughter during calm waters to find ways to help her get out of the red zone. I go in the red zone. The defiance of my elder child and how he provokes me instead of listening. Getting them to do something without having to repeat myself a hundred times. Getting them to do something without repeating myself 10 times. Losing my temper at my 11-year-old. Me trying to stay calm and they're not listening. Things escalate, then it becomes a yelling match. My biggest challenge is not losing my temper with my kids. I didn't choose these based on them being similar. I literally am reading one after another, after another, after another. This is what my email looks like. This is what the surveys look like. 
when I ask, what do you struggle with most as a parent? And this is the resounding answer. So I want you to have comfort in that. And I also want you to feel the feeling that you're feeling when you feel comforted by that. And you can give that same gift to your kids. Just because you don't agree with why they're getting upset or stressed, you understand what it feels like to be upset and stressed. There stress is in proportion to their age. Our stress is in proportion to our age. When you get that, then you can connect over the stress, detach, label it, normalize it like, oh yeah, I feel that way sometimes too. That totally stinks. And then say what you do to calm down or show them what you do to calm down. This is great when you're in the car and someone cuts you off. That's a perfect example. Talking out loud like you're talking to yourself teaches them in an indirect way versus, okay, Johnny, watch me do this. Okay, do it this way, Johnny. It's monkey see, monkey do. Don't worry about the other monkeys. Just control your side of the street. And do not ever blame your child for your reaction. That is essentially telling a three-year-old you started it. Kind of like when my first graders used to come to me and there was two children that hit each other. And I'd say, Johnny, why'd you hit Michael? And Johnny would say, well, he hit me first. It was never an okay response. He started it isn't good for kids to say, and it's not good for us to say to our kids. So I've talked about the brain and how it always likes to seek pleasure, avoid pain, and be efficient. And I love the quote by Tony Robbins, change happens when the pain of staying the same is greater than the pain of change. So I call this painful parenting because you have that one child who's here to wake you up to teach you where you need to grow. They are always here to teach us. So when we know that, we can go into our relationship with our children with our palms up. What are you here to teach me? How am I supposed to learn? And I love this quote by Dr. Shafali. And this really woke me up to show me about what my kids were here to teach me. She said, may you be blessed with the child who defies you so you may learn to release control. May you be blessed with the child with one who doesn't listen so you may learn to tune in. With a child who loves to procrastinate so you learn the beauty of stillness. With a child who forgets things so you learn to let go of attachments. With a child who is extra sensitive so you learn to be grounded. With a child who's inattentive, so you learn to be focused. With a child who dares to rebel, so you learn to think outside the box. With a child who feels unafraid, so you learn to trust the universe. May you be blessed with a child who teaches you that is never about them and all about you. Holy empowerment. Are you kidding me? It's never about the child. It's about what the child's here to teach us. And so the more we push against that, the more painful it is. And so I always talk about how the brain likes to seek pleasure, avoid pain, and be efficient. I wish I could have that on a bumper sticker because when we know that, then we know that the brain's always trying to seek pleasure first. So what would pleasure look like in parenting? It would look like having them be on electronics longer because it's a great babysitter and keeps them quiet. That's pleasure. There is pleasure from yelling because it is like a dog to kick when you're frustrated. You might be frustrated about the body that you live in. So yelling at your child offsets that feeling of discomfort a little bit. Or you might be frustrated with a messy house or a husband that's not supportive. So you have a very short temper about something else and then you get a release through your child as the pawn. There might be pleasure in spanking because you have all this frustration built up and you feel like that 
character on Inside Out, instead of blowing out fire, you take out some of your aggression and frustrations on your child. The pleasure might be just to ignore the child because if you connect with them, then they might hurt your feelings or they might hurt your ego or they might push back. So ignoring it and pushing it underneath the rug, the brain thinks is more pleasurable. Or if the child has to play and you're like, oh, I have all these things to do, this to-do list that never ends. Remember, we have 940 Saturdays from the time they're born to the time they're grown and flown. I don't say that to scare you. I say that to inspire you because the time is now to say yes to the pain first so the pleasure comes later. Because when we choose the pleasure first, the pain that comes later, always and forever, and this is what all the emails say, the child is now addicted to electronics. The child doesn't have an ability to connect with others because they're so used to connecting with a device. The pain later is the guilt that comes later from kicking the dog, which is really the child. The pain that you're offsetting by kicking the dog, by yelling at the child or spanking, comes back even stronger. Sleeping with mommy guilt, there's nothing harder in my opinion. The guilt, the shame, feeling alone, the disconnection that you have with your child, that's all the pain that comes later when we choose pleasure first. Now, I want to give you some hope because when you choose pain first, the pleasure always comes later. The pain of digging into our baggage, and that comes with the power in our pause. There is a space between their action and your reaction, and in that space is all of our baggage. Because that reaction does not come from the child, it comes from our baggage that we're bringing to the relationship. Remember how I was so afraid of messing it up? So I needed my kids to be and act and do a certain way. And I had expectations and I had an agenda and I had a playbook all mapped out for how they should behave and also how our day should go. And then when it didn't go the way I wanted, my reaction, I blamed on the child. That is a lose-lose. Looking within, looking at the ego straight in the eye, very difficult. Sleeping with mommy guilt, much harder. So you choose the pain first of feeling your feelings digging into your baggage, digging into your own pain, digging within, instead of always looking at the child and blaming the three-year-old or even blaming the 13-year-old for our behavior. And healing that inner child is such powerful work and it's painful work because you have to look at it head on and you can't use the child as a pawn anymore. It's very painful. But then the pleasure that comes later is that you have more connection with your kids. You have more harmony in the home. You're sleeping better because you're not sleeping with mommy guilt. You're like, yes, I nailed that B minus day. My connection with my child's perfect, but my actions are always B minus. You feel confident. You feel assertive. You feel empowered. Then you have confident kids and you're okay with them not being okay. Because when a child is yelled at or they feel like their parents don't like them, they don't stop liking the parent. They stop liking themselves. And then they act unlikable. And the way that they're treated now is how they're going to be expected to be treated later. So if there's a lot of yelling and screaming and name calling and door slamming and spanking, then when they get in their young adult high school relationships with another, with the opposite gender, they're going to think that that's normal and it's going to feel familiar. So in those relationships, they're going to be expected to be yelled at, name called, screamed at, swatted at. Or if someone punches a wall in their presence, they're like, oh, this is love. This is how I felt love when I was growing and developing and developing my unconscious mind. So this love feels normal. This love feels comfortable. 
If you've ever had a friend that you're like, why is she with him? He is not nice to her. He yells at her. Why does she stay? The reason why she stays, think about that friend. The reason why that friend stays is because that relationship felt or feels familiar and comfortable to them. There is something from their past that you have no idea about that they are trying to heal in current time. So when you can know that, you can have compassion and empathy and love for them versus judgment and shame with something they already know, but they don't know how to get out of it because for 18 years it was happening in their four walls. Now I use that example so you can use that example in your own life because our children, we are writing on their unconscious brain as we speak. We're laying down all the wiring. If we're building a house, we're laying down all the wiring and all the plywood and all the drywall and all the electrical stuff that goes into a house. We're building it all now. So we get to create whatever we want with the wiring and with the groundwork and showing them what love feels like. Because there's always going to be hard, but there's always going to be harder. It's hard to keep your cool and stay patient. But it's harder to sleep with mommy guilt and have disconnection with your kids. It's hard to look within and heal the inner child. But it's harder to have a child who's pushing back on your ego over and over and over because you're just not willing to look at your ego. I remember when Dr. Shafali said, your child is here to teach you where you need to grow. I was like, hot diggity dog, what are you talking about? Oh, they're the teacher? Oh, I only need to control my side of the street. Kind of like I did when I was in the schools. Oh, okay. Game on like Donkey Kong. Let's go. Let's do this. Come on, kids. Then I got really comfortable seeing my kids uncomfortable because I knew in that moment, it was like teaching my kids how to read when they were in first grade. They were getting to an emotion they didn't know what to do with. Just like my students got to a word they didn't know what to do with. I didn't say go to your room and figure out that chapter book, even though you only know your letters and sounds. I was like, let's go. Let's do this emotional literacy. Let's learn it together. So then I had to learn how to manage my anxiety. How do, how do I manage my stress? How do I manage my, manage my anger? How do I manage my sadness and bummed outness? So I was always looking within versus always looking out there and expecting them to change because they are a giant mirror. So expecting them to change is like waiting for a bus to pick you up when you're at the airport and you will be there for a very, very long time and you will be on the crazy cycle for a very long time. So there's so much power in that pause. And in that pause is where your ego lives. And when you choose the painful path first, the pleasure always comes later. And it gets easier and easier and easier. And then your kids get softer and easier too. Because their palms are up too. Because vulnerability breeds vulnerability. Their fists aren't up up anymore. Your strong-willed kids put their fists down. And they feel safe. And they know that you're their rock and soft place to fall at the same time. So choosing the painful past will always, always work. Because you always are going to feel the discomfort of stagnation or the discomfort of growth. There is no middle ground. So I've had parents that come to me and they're just like, I can't do this anymore. I can't yell anymore. I'm so exhausted. I had a parent who was giving their child a bath and they looked in the mirror while they were yelling at their child. And they're like, I can't do it anymore. I saw my face. I saw what my child saw. No more. I'm done. They draw a line in the sand and they're like, enough is enough. Another parent who their child took their phone and they were trying to get it back from them and they were chasing them around the house as the child was running backwards and they were taking pictures of the parent as they were running backwards and they got a snapshot in the phone of her angry face 
And she's like, I'm done. Enough is enough. I'm lo- willing. I'm my, my armor's down. I'm willing to look within. I'm willing to be curious about my child's behavior and see their behavior as a language versus making it about me. I lived that life for so many years, for five years with Lily and Grady. Totally unconscious. My fists were up every day. I'm like, I'm going to win this day. And every single day I went to bed with mommy guilt. Then once I was sleeping better because I didn't have any more mommy guilt, it was like, oh, I need to share this with the world. Then my kids got softer and then their armor went down. Their palms started to be up. And harmony does not mean that they're not upset. Harmony means you're not scared that when they're upset. You're not upset that they're upset. You don't have anxiety that they have anxiety. You're not sad that they're sad. You're not angry that they're angry. You know that's part of the human experience and you're going to normalize and validate it as much as humanly possible between now and when they're grown and flown. So when they're older, they're going to know that this is part of the human experience and not something to run from. It's not a beach ball they need to hold underneath water. It's all helping them to grow, grow, grow. We just have to get out of their way. I hope this helped. Please let me know in the comment section and leave a review to let me know your biggest takeaway. And I'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye. Hey, mamas, thanks for listening. If you had any ahas, clicks, or those lightning bolt moments while listening, you have to check out my free parenting bootcamp where we take all of this to the next level and we try to create even more awakenings for ourselves so that we can connect more with our kids and never yell at them again. You can sign up at www.coachingkelly.com. And if you really want to fill up my love cup, send me an email of what your aha was, what your click was. What was that lightning bolt resonating moment while you were listening? I want nothing more in life than for you to have harmony in your home and to learn how to be an imperfect mom like me, which allows your kids to be imperfect too, each and every day. Thanks for listening.